What's up, everybody? You are listening to Trail Tales, episode number 77. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker. I am a peak bagger. I am a huge hiking nerd. And every single week on this podcast, you know the drill. I chat with another thru-hiker, another peak bagger, or another hiking nerd about their experiences on the trail. This week's guest, Jonathan Zaharik. He's a pretty well-known hiker in the Adirondacks. He's done the 46 a bunch. He did a single season winter 46 this past year. I, I think I, I think I got that name right. We talk about it in the episode. And not only is he a super badass hiker, but he's also an incredible filmmaker as well. It was a great chat. It's always awesome to talk about the Adirondacks. And Jonathan, when you hear this, thank you so much. We're gonna get into the conversation in just a second. First, let me let me plug my things. Instagram, Kyle Hates Hiking is my Instagram at TrailTalesPod is the handle for Trail Tales specifically. So go follow both of those accounts, please. My YouTube channel, Kyle Hates Hiking. Most of you know it at this point, but in case you don't, go check that out as well. Shout out to all of the Trail Tales Patreon supporters who I have not shouted out in a long time, which I definitely should because they are keeping this thing going, honestly. And I've, I've seen quite a few new faces around the Patreon lately, which is really, really awesome. So maybe go check that out, patreon.com slash trailtales. And the last thing that I need to mention is this episode's sponsor, you know them by now, Sawyer Products. Huge shout out to them for helping me support the show. I want to take a second here to talk to you guys about something I've talked about in one other previous episode and on one of my recent YouTube videos, and that is permethrin. If you're spending any time in the backcountry at all, no matter where you are, but especially if you're in the Northeast, but honestly, anywhere, really anywhere, Lyme disease has been found in all 50 states of the US at this point. If you're spending any time in the backcountry, you want to protect yourself against ticks. And honestly, the best way to do that is to use Sawyer's permethrin spray. Now, I'm sure most of you are familiar with permethrin at this point, but if you're not, it is a chemical that you spray on your clothing, your shoes, your socks, you can even spray it on your gear, honestly. It works well on gear too. And it basically bonds to the fabric and for either six weeks or six washes, whichever comes first, you are going to be protected from ticks. It, it doesn't just repel ticks. This stuff actually kills ticks. So when the ticks make contact with the clothing, as gross as it is to say that, the tick will die and it will not bite you, which is a really good thing because honestly, Lyme disease and all of the other diseases that can come from a tick bite. I always focus on Lyme because that's the one I know the most about, but there's there's really a bunch of them and it's, it's pretty scary, but you don't need to worry if you're using Sawyer's permethrin spray because you are actually 70 times less likely to get bitten by a tick if you're wearing permethrin treated shoes and socks. And honestly, I've said this a bunch in other episodes and on YouTube, but I really, really believe in this stuff. I have been using it for years before I ever was sponsored by Sawyer, before I ever started making content that includes this podcast, obviously. So I'm telling you guys, this stuff really, really works. It's a good deal and it's really easy to use. I mean, I'm just, I'm just listing off all the awesome things about this. It doesn't smell at all once it dries either. You might think, oh, chemicals, you know, smell bad, not good for you, whatever. It's completely odorless after it dries. In fact, the socks I'm wearing right now were treated with it and I can't smell a goddamn thing. So I'm telling you, this stuff is the real deal. Be sure to check out Sawyer online. You can go to sawyer.com slash lime if you want to hear some more information about 
Lyme disease or just Sawyer.com to check out their stuff or just head on over to your local outfitter. There's a good chance you're going to be able to find Sawyer's products there as well. And with that said, folks, let's get into the episode, my conversation with Jonathan Zaharik, episode number 77 of Trail Tales. This dude is a Adirondack badass. Let's do it. Jonathan Zaharik, what's up, man? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's you nailed it. Awesome. That's that's good to hear. My first episode from my new house. This is I know nobody gives a shit when they want to talk about your stuff, which we're gonna do for most of this episode, but I just wanna say this is the first episode ever of Trail Tales where I'm not sitting like in the place I've been for all the other ones, so it just feels it feels cool. It feels kinda weird, but uh hopefully it doesn't mess up my my mojo too much, whatever the hell that means. But anyways, dude, thank you so much for being here. We're gonna talk about the Adirondacks a lot. Dude, I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions about your your videos and your your filmmaking process too, because if anybody okay, actually, first of all, you have the most, in my opinion, you have the most underrated YouTube channel in the backpacking hiking oh, well, world on YouTube. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding, dude. Like the fact that I've I mean, not that you not that nobody watches your shit. Obviously a lot of people do, thousands of people do, but the fact that I have more subscribers than you and i just make like stupid jokes meanwhile you're going out and like crushing yeah. shit in the adirondacks and making these amazing films like i just think i don't think that's right so everybody yeah. well, listening I mean, th- there is something to be said though about that because like the stuff that the content that you make like oh my gosh like I- I- almost every single hiker out there in the country could like relate to it because it's not dedicated to one specific area one specific you know people group like how i feel you know because like i'm like high peak stuff you know so Your it's stuff like limited is- location wise you're very niche but i'm I'm just gonna sure. say this right now for there's a lot of people that listen to the show that um are familiar with the adirondacks and hike in the adirondacks but there's also an even greater amount of people who don't and perhaps have never even been before so i'm just gonna say even if you have never been to the adirondacks before i'm sure you're anybody listening is familiar with them now because i've talked about them in a lot of other episodes but you should still go check out his channel because it's amazing stuff anybody who appreciates hiking anybody who appreciates the mountains is going to be able to take something away from from uh from those videos so dude I- I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you honestly because i I'd like to step up my filmmaking game, and I I think there's a lot that I can take away from from your stuff as well. So, dude, why don't you just go ahead by, or why don't you just start by introducing yourself and uh, telling everybody what you're about? Sure. So, yeah, my name is Jonathan, and I am not a Adirondack native, um, but I, I I'm kind of fairly local now because I live here in Lake Placid. I'm I'm yeah I'm a professional photographer and guide as well as like you know youtuber um i don't necessarily you know make money off of that but i you know we put full-time work into it mm-hmm. right so um that's uh pretty much what i do now and i moved up here to lake placid a year ago to further those things because of how much i love this place and uh, i'm originally from ohio um so a lot of people don't like don't realize that they follow me they think i live here um but but i do now but i would uh i would have like a 12-hour commute you know coming coming here whenever i wanted to um so yeah uh, i'm jealous man lake placid is awesome like like i said earlier today when we were talking like i would love to live in lake placid like you have you have you probably actually that's that's a lie what i was about to say you literally do have an idea of how how like (laughs) like how awesome it would be to live there so yeah uh the second i realized that i had the opportunity i jumped at it in a heartbeat 
Can you talk about yeah. that a little bit? I'm always curious to hear about how people kind of uh, set their their life situations up to uh, you know pursue out the outdoors and pursue content yeah. creation things like that. So it's really interesting my background with this place because I've never really met anyone that has my story. I mean, you you hear other people explaining you know how they found these mountains or how they find the whites or uh, anything anything up here. It's like maybe people like lived locally kind of and you know they didn't realize it was all here and then they kind of just discovered it when they were older or they knew it was here and they just didn't really take like they didn't really care until they went out on a trip one day or something like that but for me like i said i'm from ohio so how how on earth do i like you know where's that connection and it actually goes i'm actually fourth generation um adirondack Adirondackite, whatever you call them. <laughs> and so my great grandmother back in the 1920s would come up here and vacation in the summers in the southern region and speculate her, which eventually led to her bringing my grandmother, who then married um, a uh, my, gra- my grandfather, Jerry, who coincidentally uh, also had an affiliation up here in the Adirondacks. And so they ended up coming up here and then raising their kids, my, my mother and my aunts and uncles. Uh, all together in the ki- uh, as kids just in the uh, 60s and 70s um, and 80s coming up here to vacation um, at a place called Camp of the Woods in Speculator. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a family resort. And that is uh, what's led my mom to raising her kids, me and my sisters, uh, coming to the Adirondacks every single summer. And mm-hmm. it kind of faded away with uh, the other side of my family, even though we grew up all coming together later on, like five, six years ago, it really was just like my, my mom, cause she was the most passionate about this place. Um, and that kind of really flowed, um, into, into us. And so, uh, like I said, so I was like, I was like, kind of like raised coming here just like with my summers. And I always had like an, like an appreciation for this place. Like I, I loved it, not because like how beautiful it was, but because of the sentimentality, the right. sentimental value of the location and what it means to me and all the events that kind of like, uh, that had an impact on my life happened here in the Adirondacks. And I would kind of have two separate lives. I would have my Ohio life and then my, my New York life. So when I would come up here for the summers, I would just, I would have my friends and everything and, and all that. Um, I am 23 years old. Uh, the reason why I say that is because I want people to know that I am not in college anymore. I'm past that. And I just discovered- I, I like that about you, by the way, because you're one of the few people I think I think you I was trying to do the math in my head earlier. I think you might be only the third person I've ever had on Trail Tales that's younger than I am because I'm I'm 24. So, I mean, you're not that much younger, obviously, but most people are, are older and there's nothing wrong sure. with that. But I, I as someone your age, I just I think that that, that kind of sticks out to me, I guess. So I think it's cool, man. Yeah. Um. So like I kind of discovered Lake Placid on on my own. Um, I got into photography in yearbook in my junior year of high school, and through uh, my parents and I and my sisters, we would we would travel a lot. Um, and so wherever I would go, I would bring my camera and would start taking pictures and finding my 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 niche, I guess, of what I liked taking pictures of, and found out that I loved landscape. Mm-hmm. And as the years went on, I went to school. I did go to college for one year. It's not really college. I went to um, a place down in Scroon Lake called Word of Life Bible Institute, but that was just for like one year and that was it. But during that time, I was able to explore and really, really like learn about this place because I lived here for an entire solid year and went out and I photographed and really just like found that passion for photography and for these mountains. And so that's where I started to really um, take on 
the high peaks and figure out, you know, what's, you know, how can I take advantage of this place? Um, how can, I don't know. I just, I was just starting to fall in love with it. And that was back in 2015, 2016. And so then I spent all summer 2016 here. And then I came here for the fall. And then I spent all 2017 here, uh, working in a marketing department at actually Camp of the Woods. Um, <laughs> And so I know I'm kind of like talking about things now that most of the people here don't care about, but um, oh, what happened dude. What happened is I spent out of maybe three years, I spent like 20 of those months uh, here and really just starting to discover the high peaks. And that's, you know, 2017 is when I started my, my, my vlogging in these mountains because I, I wanted to become a 46er back then. And... It was really weird just how it kind of faded into uh, what it what it was because I was vlogging just for fun. Like whenever I would go and travel uh, just for whatever, like if it was, you know, somewhere out of the country or somewhere out west or whatever, I would just I would just vlog because I really enjoyed vlogging. And so I thought I would just casually vlog my hikes here in New York. And well, once I started to do that, like halfway through my 46, people were like, dude, you should capitalize on this because no one else is really doing it mm-hmm. and the content's really great. And I was like, okay, you know, I, the people are right here because like I'm trying to work on my photography side of things here, uh, trying to get my name out here, selling my work, you know, Instagram and just kind of trying to make an impact on that. And, in you know, on the side, just trying to make videos and content and then ended up really just kind of slowly turning into what it is today where I started to gain traction. I started to gain a following of people, dedicated actual people who, you know, can quote like your videos, like <laughs> weird, weird things. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, and just like, you know, and, and like with anyone's content starting out, um, unfortunately, this is the only unfortunate thing that I would have to say is that, you know, the videos that I posted back in 2017 and 2018 aren't the, you know, the best representation of who you are today. It's a huge learning thing, but not just learning with video, but like, learning with uh the, these mountains because back then like you're not that knowledgeable and so you might look back at your stuff and be like oh no no don't do that because then people will go back and watch that stuff and think that's who you are today oh you dude know? you should oh you know? dude i have so much cringy <laughs> shit on a, yep. on another youtube channel not on kyle hates hiking but another youtube channel i started when i was like back in middle school and high school and stuff i've got a couple of I should take them down, honestly. I took, I did take a couple of them down, like just when I was like real, real young, dude, like just, uh, I, yeah, terrible shit, uh, terrible shit. But dude, the crazy thing about your content is like, I feel like it, it's, it, it would be easy to, not easy. That's, that's not true at all. A lot of people would go and make really cool films, but they might not push the hiking side of things too much, but dude, you fucking crush on the, I, so far in this conversation, I feel like you've kind of, uh, under emphasized, like how badass of an actual hiker you are too, <laughs> beyond just the, the, the filmmaking stuff. Cause dude, you did a single, I don't even, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, uh, a, you say it. You say it. Single yeah, year. Single season winter 46. Yes. Yeah, single season yeah. winter 46, which is in, as anybody who's ever hiked in the Adirondacks knows, that's fucking hard, dude. That's crazy. It def- uh, yeah, it has, it definitely has its, um, it, it does carry a little bit of weight when you, after you've done it, because you then think about all of the emotional turmoil it put you through, uh, kind of, kind of like hikers PTSD a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I will, I'm not trying to like discount it or anything, but I will say the fact that I live here and the fact that I, my entire winter was scheduled around my hiking and I didn't schedule my hiking around my schedule 
Um, I was able to go out when I wanted, choose my weather every single day and, and, and pace myself. So the fact that I live 15 minutes away from the high peaks, um, yeah, it definitely is, is a feat. I'm not going to discount that, but like, you have to also think like I, I live here and so it's a lot more accessible. It's a lot easier. Sure, sure. And but it's still hard as fuck. I don't care if you live right <laughs> at the trailhead. Like that's that's still crazy, man. Yeah. It's it's eighteen hikes. Um you can do the forty six and approximately eighteen hikes. Um and it, it's all like logically like aligned. I don't really know about the whites that well. I think I think they might be a little bit more confusing. Um, honestly, it's, it's, it's pretty similar. I've done both of them, not, not in the winter, not in a single season, but I've done both of the challenges overall and, and they're, they're pretty similar. I will say it's a little bit easier, I think to bag, uh, it depends actually. Sometimes it's easier to bag more peaks in one single hike in the Adirondacks just because the peaks are a little bit closer together, but there are stretches in the whites where you can do that too. So I don't know if that's completely true, but they they are, they are pretty similar overall. I'd say, um, I, yeah, I will say uh, kind of two things. One, I think the one thing that um, the uh, high peaks have over the whites is the remoteness, um, because there's a, like a lot of the mountains there in the whites. You can you can drive to uh, like it, it's there's not many mountains where you have to hike in ten miles one way. Oh, I'm with to you, get man. To the mountain, you know. Trust me, so, I've like, got I've got some thoughts on this too because again. I did both of them, and so whenever yeah, like people the size of the landscape here, yeah, and, and people do ask me sometimes like which one's harder, and honestly, um, the forty six is harder, Be- not because of the actual steepness, not because of the literal terrain that you're hiking on, but purely because of what you just said there, uh, the accessibility. You, you just have to hike more miles to complete right. the forty six than the forty eight. They both have the same weather, you know. It's like the whites have their you know lethal winter weather, and the high peaks have their lethal winter weather. Um, I just you know, I think that it might be, I don't know, it's kind of like up in the air. It's like what, you know, like because these are more remote, you could potentially be in a more life-threatening situation if you don't know what you're doing. Right. And that's not um, to say the 48 isn't difficult either. It's No, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, they're, I mean, honestly, it's honestly like comparing apples to oranges. They have their similarities. They're both fruit, you know, um, <laughs> they both taste sweet. Oh yeah. But like they come back down to like, I mean, the thing with the whites is they're way more exposed than the high peaks here. Um, but like in the high peaks here, there's only one switchback in the entire park that I can think of. <laughs> and that's on that's on privately owned land at the AMR. And yeah. so they built it themselves. Uh, but, you know, there's is that going up Sati there. Uh, no, that's that's the scenic route up Sati. The switchback is going up to Indian Head uh, Okay. Um, to the left. But um, one more thing, kind of just to give context. So like back in 2019, uh, well, kind of September 2018, I was really at the like trying at the peak of like trying to, to push my, my photos up here, uh, selling in the art galleries and trying just to get my name known as much as I could, because if you don't, you know, no one knows who you are, then you can't really sell photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so just trying to push that and, uh, then kind of realized with working part-time here, uh, in Lake Placid mixed with my photographic sales and, um, side miscellaneous things and whatever that I was able to support myself. And so when I realized that I jumped at the opportunity to move up here. And so for the last year I was working part-time at high peak cyclery, 
uh, downtown Lake Placid, which is like, an, it's a super awesome, like adventure outdoor gear shop, kind of like EMS. Um, but it's more like family owned run and it's a cyclery and it's a ski center in the winter and it's really cool. Um, and so that's kind of where I worked. And then I'm now transitioning into the guiding business, um, because I have all that stuff under my feet now. Right. Um, and I, and I tested and I passed, yay. Um, <laughs> and, um, all that other stuff. So that's pretty much where I'm at now. So I've lived here, um, next week will mark, um, a year, a year since I moved here. Dude. Um, and it's been the best decision of my life. Good for you for going for it. You have no idea how many, um, older hikers are listening to this not even old hikers just older hikers um people that are more established you know have families and stuff and all that that wish they had done something like that when they were our age so dude i i have a lot of respect for that i have a lot of respect for that and i also dude here's the thing about doing the single season uh winter 46 uh first of all i'm as my trail tales listeners have heard me say plenty of times i'm not much of a winter hiker so that gets me the fact that you did all 46 in the winter in one single season is crazy but also all the videos Operating, hmm. operating the camera. Yeah. Trust me, dude. I, <laughs> that's that's the real challenge. <laughs> exactly, and I I, I want to talk to you about that because you know I've only made a couple on trail videos, and even just simple stuff like that in perfect conditions on not difficult hikes when it's not freezing cold. Like it's still mm-hmm. hard. You know, it's it's still hard. So just the you know taking the extra effort to get um you know good looking shots to produce this content while you're actually out there. Like and I've, I have this I have said this to other creators as well, but like. That just blows my mind that you can do that and still do all like the really difficult hiking. Can you talk about that process a little Dude, bit to sure. see where that takes you? Yeah, honestly, there isn't a secret. Um, what it comes down to is your gear and how much you trust it. Um, the other thing is not to not to mention a lot of people don't realize this, but for a good month, I actually in, in most of February, I had a film crew here staying with me, actually going out and helping me shoot stuff on like thirty thousand dollar cameras. So they would be hauling up like wait what fif- fifteen pound cameras, like six K Blackmagic Cinema cameras, um, and helping me shoot some of this stuff, um, which you could see on um uh, my most recent video that I posted, the journey of a winter 46er. Um, and then they're also creating a, a short documentary that they're going to release sometime in the next couple months about. That's sick, up dude. Here. I didn't so, know about that. Damn. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, if you watch my Algonquin, my winter Algonquin video, uh, that was half of that was shot on their cameras. Um, and so that was, that was really, really interesting because we didn't i didn't just have my equipment to deal with we also had their stuff because they've never exposed their equipment like that before and so there was definitely technical difficulties um but besides that the camera that i shoot with that i shot this whole winter thing with is the same camera that i've shot since with 2017 every single video so my camera has been up every high peak almost three times and (laughs) it's it's gone through well over a thousand miles um and the thing is I, i don't keep it on my in my backpack I don't. I actually have a, a rig that I put on my front. Super. I'm very minimalist when it comes to my camera equipment because, like you said, it's, it's heavy. It's you know you you don't you don't want to haul around what you don't need. And so, like for example, any any pictures you you see on my Instagram, if they're not a night photo, most likely I didn't use a tripod. Right. Um, I don't carry a tripod with me. I just I learn how to. I just learn the equipment and the technology so I can acquire the best imagery without needing extra equipment do you use um, the uh the capture clip no not familiar with what that uh, is the, the peak design like the one you throw on the shoulder strap of your camera oh uh, right no i use something called a cotton carrier system and so what it is it's just a little device that you know kind of like 
you put on the bottom of your camera and then it's a chest mechanism and uh, you just put oh the you know what? i down. saw that i saw this in your video actually i remember this yeah one. so you just kind of just hook it there right in your chest and it's and i i keep the the camera strap on because oh my gosh the amount of times the camera like can come loose because like your angles and falling and climbing and motions so i put the this camera strap around my neck as well um so it's a double system but the camera is constantly exposed all the time mm-hmm. um and so if any of you are wondering what I use, um, I am a Nikon shooter. Uh, that is because like, that's what I was raised on, but it's also just my preference for what I do specifically. I'm not going to be the guy telling you that Canon sucks because Canon is meant for its own thing and Nikon is meant for its own thing. And what you shoot is what you shoot. So, um, like, I mean, I'll recommend Nikon, but like, you know, so Nikon is just like, it's my cup of tea for what I do specifically. And I feel that it's best suited for what I do. Um, because I... I'm actually holding it right now. This camera is absolutely insane for what I've put it through. Um, and it looks like it's been through a lot. Um, <laughs> the amazing thing with the camera that I'll say the biggest plus is its battery life. Because there was only two times in my entire, this is crazy. There's only two hikes in my entire journey that I had to put a second battery in because the first one died. Damn. So the fact what? that I can spend all day in sub-zero temperatures with one battery constantly shooting video is like that's just insane what, so um, props what's to Nikon the, for the battery what's the camera what's the model so it's a nikon d750 and this one came out in 2014 and so they've actually definitely improved on their camera manufacturing since then so like they just came out with the d780 which is going to be the next body that i get um but their battery is the same one they've been using for years which is the uh el15 battery um and I had other people join me on the hikes to, to help me shoot like my friend kira and stefan and so like kira used like um she used uh, a Lumix GH5 and uh, Stefan used a Canon T3i. And so like his his camera was like struggling real hard. And then like Kira's microphone just wouldn't work. And all my audio is captured in camera audio as well. And so like, oh, you don't use a, like, you don't use an external microphone. Either? I use I use a shotgun mic whenever it's super windy um, and most of the journey. Almost every video before the winter was done without that, unfortunately. Damn. Um, but I'm still blown away by the quality of the stock microphone on it. Um, and so I use one one single lens that's been the same lens forever, and it's definitely gone through a ton of crap. And uh, <laughs> just kind of just the three system. I bring two batteries, the camera, the one twenty millimeter lens, which I vlog and take my pictures with, and it's all all in one. And the whole system weighs like. Two pounds. So you just take a prime. You don't take any zoom lenses. That's it. Just take a prime. And Damn. depending on what the hike is, I'll maybe take a little thirty-five millimeter as well. So uh, it's honestly, I've just really f- figured out like exactly what I need, and especially in the single season, I don't want to have to lug around anything well, extra exactly. if I don't have to. Because that's kind of what I was getting at with the um, with the question is not not only is the weight a factor, obviously, but just like the more shit you got to deal with. Because even because mm-hmm. you know I I've been using a Canon M50, which I would not recommend to anybody. I I didn't really know what I was doing when I bought it. I'm gonna get something better soon, but. That thing kind of sucks because I went on a weekend hike the other day. I was out for like, you know, two nights, two and a half days max. And I had to change the battery on that thing like three times. And I wasn't even shooting that much. So I was like, come on, there's got to be a better way to do it. So it's always good to hear about like other people who are way better at this stuff than I am to to hear about their gear and stuff. The biggest problem that I would encounter on with with break you have to imagine how many miles i've brought this camera on and it's experienced every type of weather you could imagine so the worst ones even though it's weather sealed sometimes on hikes it will get so wet and it's just like it's hard to um 
like it will start to function weird and then like the lens will start fogging up and it's like really hard to like not let that happen. That's only happened like once or twice on my, my journey. And then the other time is sometimes moisture gets into some of the buttons and it's so cold as well that buttons will then freeze. Um, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. And so then I have to like blow on it and but then that's like at wipe the my point moisture where away. The, the conditions are so extreme that you really can't reasonably expect your camera to, to deal with that stuff. You I know? mean, yeah, I've shot, I shot this camera in... My coldest, my coldest time that I ever shot it in, which it was a time where the battery did die. Uh, and I did have a second battery though, what I put in. But the, for me, I know camera, camera equipment doesn't feel windshield, but the windshield was negative 75 and the ambient temp was minus 36. Um, and that was on Algonquin. And so my camera was definitely, definitely suffering on that, on that day. Mm-hmm. But, is, um, is the, the D750, I believe you said, is that a, a uh, full frame camera or mirror? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's full frame. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, so, anyways, I'm, go for it, man. Yeah. No, oh. kind of back to the subject, I guess. Hiking. So. Uh oh, dude, I love to talk about the gear, though, man. The gear, it's sure. related though, because hiking and and your content go hand in hand. So. Yeah, I I consider myself. Oh, dude, I watched your like your latest video on like lightweight hiking. Um, and it's definitely controversial. Uh, but because, and I'll give my reason why I am this way. Um, I am a ultra lightweight minimalist hiker and I personally don't even take half of the stuff that even those people will bring. Um, here's my reason why, um, I will go as lightweight as I possibly can. Cause yes, there's always in any single person in any situation, always the unexpected. Um, however, one thing that I've learned in developing my journey, I have dedicated myself to these mountains specifically. I've been on almost every single trail in High Peaks Wilderness multiple times. I know exactly like I like this weather system, the way I study the weather, and I only go out on good days nonetheless. Um, and once you start hiking in a specific spot, you really your your legs, your muscle memory understands. Uh, the topography and and everything else, and so you're likely to be less clumsy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do hike solo, and I hike with tons of people, um, like a lot. It's all different, and so I personally only bring what I believe I will need, and I that's not at all what I'm recommending other people to do. Because if someone wants to go out and take, you no, know, they're doing a 16 16 mile day or 16 hour day, and they want to take 30 pounds of stuff with them to be prepared for all situations. Dude, I will never tell you that's, that's bad. Like you, you know, you do you, how you feel comfortable hiking. Um, and I don't consider myself a liability because of how well I know this, these woods, um, and the wilderness and how well I know myself. Um, so when I'm out there, like when I'm winter hiking, I always, of course, I take the extra layers. Um, I, I have definitely invested into good equipment that is, a huge thing. You don't, you get what you pay for. Um, and so making sure that I understand my body, how it circulates the blood, my, my breathing, my rhythm, knowing when to put on layers, when to take off layers, how to keep your water from freezing, how to deal with your water when it freezes and preparing for all these things. Um, all that winter stuff. (laughs) Yeah. All that, all the winter stuff. Um, and so as time went on, I was able to be like, okay, Based off of experience and everything that I know and what I'm going to be doing, these are the things that I need to deal with these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, in the winter, I always have my spot unit for um, for GPS location and for SOS. So I, I, I'm not like the type of person that will just go out without a GPS system. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, like dude. In times like that, summer hiking, I don't bother with it, honestly. Oh, I, yeah, I don't either. I, I'm with you. I mean, you know, I in that one video, I was kind of, you know, 
making fun of ultralight a little bit but for the most part i'm i'm the same way and, and to be clear because the I, I feel like the the critics the, the the say that again i feel like the the biggest piece of criticism that ultralight hiking gets is that it's dangerous like you're not taking you know things you need and what you just said there was perfect because you said i only take what i need which is very different from i leave things at home that i do need to save weight obviously yeah, and so. then a lot of people are like well what about all the unexpected and the unprepared the thing is Dude, I'm not saying that's not going to happen to me. Anyone that's listening to this that thinks that I'm an idiot for not – like I bring a med kit with me. You know, I bring things like that. But it all comes down to your confidence, which does go a long way, not being like cocky confidence. Like yep. confident oh, I'm with in you, where you are, knowing everything. Like I know the trails like the back of my hand. I use my phone, but I don't use that as a – like I don't use that as a reliability tool. I use it as a reference tool. So I can just be like, oh, yeah, you know, look, that mountain, that's that mountain. Kind of just, you know, like – kind of you know figuring out you know but i always have a compass with me and things like that but mm-hmm. um it's like i know the trails so well um that i could go you could drop me any single place in the entire high peaks wilderness even off trail and i'll be able to figure out where i am uh without a phone or a map um so it's kind of just yeah so i don't know um it's dude i'm a weird i'm a weird thing and so <laughs> people ask me for tips all the time and i i tell them i don't necessarily think you should do exactly what I do because it's meant for a specific person, um, and I believe myself to be that specific. Especially person. for and for for beginners, I would say. Oh, oh if, yeah, no, no, yeah. And it, it's always it's always a fine line you walk when you have this conversation. Sure. So again, you know, I'm not saying people should certainly if you're if you're not fully confident with your uh, your abilities and your or or even just the terrain you're hiking. And like for instance, if I was to go hike out west right now, I'm not a West Coast hiker, never really have done it. I would probably take some shit you know some oh, extra course. shit just to be safe but um you know here on the east coast you know i'm again I, I don't do winter but you know for summer fall spring conditions you know i'm pretty confident that i know exactly what i need so i'm pretty much in the same boat uh in that regard dude I can you my, oh go ahead sorry i was just gonna say i think the heaviest i've ever packed in my entire life um as in like okay i've i've i I've, I'm, i pack two different ways i pack for being the most efficient and lightweight and then i also pack for i just don't care i want to enjoy this i don't care how much i carry i want to live like a king all right so there are those two things where i will either be very um what's it called uh not needy but uh very uh, high maintenance i'll be either extremely low maintenance or very high maintenance um it's my choice so like on a low maintenance day where i'm just gonna ultralight hike the heaviest pack i'll ever bring is like maximum like 15 pounds if i'm doing an overnight if i'm doing a single day it will go it'll be less than 10 pounds oh yeah like eight pounds um but like when i'm doing eat, eating like a king and sleeping like a king and just not caring like yeah i'll have like 40 pounds in my 70 liter you know i won't care because i know i physically can i can handle it you know right so. and then in the adirondacks a lot of people do like the base camping thing too which is which is different than uh what you know a through hike is and a lot of stuff that i've done a lot of a lot of people listening have done as well so that's i guess you can kind of afford to bring some some extra luxuries when you're not hauling the pack up and over peaks all day every day when you can Mm kind of have some leeway there so it makes sense my uh my microphone just fell down (laughs) i caught it that's why you hopefully you didn't hear it too much but uh, i I, like like i told you right before we started recording i pretty much rigged this thing up for the first time since i moved in here and it held up for the first 28 minutes but not anymore so I'll, I mean, it, it's fine. I'll make it work for now, but I'm going to have to figure out a new system there. With that transition, hopefully that doesn't mess up the audio too much. Um, what's this uh, What's this documentary? Camera crew following you around you were talking about. I want to yeah. hear about that. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what the status currently of the production is. I know they're 
like maybe 75% of the way done. Um, and they didn't really have a, they were like friends that I've known for a while. Um, and they would help me film in exchange for helping them out with this project um, and, and guiding them. And so like taking them up there was their, my exchange was them getting me shots as well. So it was like a, a, a trade-off. Um, their goal was to a help me film for my project and B while they came up here, their goal was they wanted to, as quickly as they could understand the environment, understand the people, the community, because they wanted to focus and curate a short film of their own project. They're not a professional full-time crew or anything. Um, they do work for full-time crews but them themselves they create their own projects so mm -hmm. they can get their name out there and so over time while they're here they really wanted to focus on the community and what these mountains mean to, to everyone because every single person at the end of the day um they they might have a different way they they view the mountains and what it means to them but they at the end of the day all have the same desire and passion for this place and so the documentary is not necessarily there to answer questions, um, but it's there so we can just understand this place more and what it means to the locals. And so um, they interviewed a ton of like recognized people out here and they did use me as one of the main character focuses kind of anonymously um, where like they'll, you know, people see, like when it gets to the interview section and I'm there, but a lot of the B-roll or a lot of stuff that they captured I'm out in the wilderness. I was either in or with them in. So I am somewhat of a main character about it, but it's not like it's the documentary is not like about me or anything. Um, it's about, it's about the people. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I don't know when it's going to release. I don't know like the, you know, things about that or whatever, but my guess is it'll probably be actually in this month of June. Um, not sure exactly, uh, cause of postponement and stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah. But it, um, yeah, so I'm not sure exactly, you know, what's going to come out of it. You know, a lot of the thing is, but my content and that content and any content that's ever made here in the high peaks, you do not get brutally criticized, um, as badly in the whites, <laughs> I would assume as you do here. Um, because people here are so, um, so protective about this place that's, even my journey of a winter 46 video where all I'm doing is sharing eye candy and my personal journey, people can get very, very upset about it. Um, Why would they get upset about it? I watched well, it. It was fucking amazing. Like <laughs> It's amazing to people who are aspiring and to who don't necessarily live here. And some who live here, yeah. Um, but there are some groups, some people where this is another way where people are um, – encouraged to come hike here to to hoard the trails mm -hmm. and i will say that my content over the years with thousands of people that have watched it and then meeting those people on the trails and getting the dms and everything i've seen the results that um content out here can can inspire and cause people to go out on the trails and you know growing that um, over the years, like you want to perfect that and not make it seem like you're going to be the reason why someone has to get helicopter rescued, yeah, of um, course, which of my course. first videos might prompt people to do that <laughs> because, <laughs> because I wasn't, it was funny. Cause like, I, you know, I was like, I had such a funny personality and I mean, I kind of still do, but like I transitioned from being quirky and funny and not knowing what I was doing to like, this is serious content and I'm going to be like serious about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. People, uh, I realize, you know, at the end of the day, I can't please any, but, um, can you still hear me? Uh, you cut out for a second there, but you're back now. 
Okay, great, because my, my monitor went black. Um, <laughs> I can't please everyone, but I can at least try to, because I want everyone to see here how much I do care about this place. Mm-hmm. I want them to know that I'm not an enemy, you know, because like there's this controversy out here. There are. And people can take offense to putting content out there for the public to see. Yeah. It's just them being protective. And I want to respect that. Even if I don't understand, even if I don't agree, I want to respect every single person and try to mold my work um, around the desires of the community because I am on their property. I came here. I am not a born and raised local. um, And, you know, I want to just be conscientious of that. Um, because I care about the people and I care about these mountains. So interesting. I'm still, I'm still, I, yeah, I'm discovering that still for myself. That's, like, that's pretty crazy. I didn't know there was that much. I mean, I, I certainly am aware of pushback against outdoor content creation in general, but I didn't know it was so there, yeah. there was like an, an even like a, a subset of that in the Adirondacks. Right. Cause honestly I haven't really filmed very much or anything for the with, Adirondacks. With such, yet, a, but. With such a niche here. Um, especially with how popular some of my photos and videos have become in the past, a lot of people like find, find out about it. And it, it, you know, through the grapevine and stuff like that, people that don't use Facebook or YouTube, old, you know, older people of uh, some, you know, they, they eventually see your content because at that point, you know, um, it's, it's not just some regular Joe Schmo guy. It's, you know, someone actually making this content constantly um, and mm-hmm. so whether that goes from as little as geotagging, you know, all the way to, you know, anything that has to do to leave no trace and to them, like leave no trace could come in a fashion of showing off the beauty of a location. I mean, when you see a picture on Instagram and it causes you want to go there, like when you like, it's not the geotag that makes you want to go there. It's the picture of that place and which leads you to wanting to find out where it is. Um, and so I'm also kind of like, I'm also not really up for like that type of like conversation. Cause also my knowledge is very limited on, on the leave no trace efforts and the geotagging and everything. So I'm not really like, I try to avoid it, you know, cause for the people who really firmly believe that it's a negative thing. Um, so I try to just keep things as like, you know, just yeah. chill as possible. Yeah. Just, I mean, I want it, to avoid conflict. It is, it is a little bit controversial, but the way I see it, if you're being a good steward of the places you're going, steward, not steward. See, we're on, we're talking about the Adirondacks. I yeah, Ooh, steward. I said steward. <laughs> Only the 46ers are going to understand how stupid <laughs> of a mess up that was. But anyways, um, I feel like, it, and again, this is just my opinion, but I feel like if you're being a good steward of the places you're going and mm. you're still sharing content about those places and you're then I, I don't really see a problem with that. I, I, and this kind of gets into the bigger conversation of just, is it ethical to share content about the outdoors? Is it ethical to inspire people to go outside with this, with, or not even go outside, to, to go to these places, these specific places you're, you're sharing? And I, and like, I get the overcrowding argument too, that places are becoming overcrowded. But honestly, in my opinion, the overall, uh, effect of having more people that are willing to, you know, put their money where their mouth is in terms of conserving these places, protecting these places, and pushing for, um, you know, more trails and more places like that to be built. You know, I, I think that outweighs the negative impacts of certain specific areas that do receive uh, higher amounts of traffic than they 
than they right. probably should be getting. But I don't know. It, it is a it is a, a tough yeah. um a, a tough conversation, and I I haven't really gotten any pushback from that. Based on my, I've never gotten that honestly, but I also haven't really. I've only posted like one hiking video on my channel. So this this is one coming soon, but but for the most part, you know, my videos are just me bullshitting in my fucking bedroom so i imagine you probably get that more once you're actually posting you know on yeah. trail content and i've never made a like kind of like same thing with me i've never made a video of just me talking about a specific subject you know if i've never done that it's always hey guys i'm jonathan welcome back to this video in this episode you know this 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 and you know going out to the peaks and also i haven't actually made like an adirondack like vlog um since like last year because everything's been part of it's all been the series and so mm-hmm. i've treated everything as a series like same intro same everything kind of like a tv show um and so actually the videos are going to be a lot less after uh this last video that i just posted because um i want to bring good content you know i don't want to bring repetitive content and so i kind of just got to um, I have other focuses right now in the summer and I will probably vlog. I will several times, but it won't definitely won't be like once a week, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, uh, and stuff like that. Cause I just, I have other focuses and other, other plans and things like that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, uh, it's also, it also is a tiring thing. Like as oh, much yeah. as I love making the content for people, um, definitely push like the amount of, oh my gosh, the thousands of gigabytes and the hours and hours of editing and putting stuff together. It was just like, it's like the winter 46, um, definitely started to make things a little bit of a chore. Um, because as much as you love something, uh, just like any good food that you absolutely love, if you eat that over and over again, eventually you're going to be like, okay, I need to take a little bit of a break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not saying like I'm, you know, losing my spark and desire to, to bring this content to people. That's not true at all. Um, it's just, I want to be able to make and create stuff that I'm passionate about. And if right now, um, I just feel that I still need to take that break from, from this video content and stuff like that, uh, and not push it as much, um, then I'm going to do that, you know, for myself. Um, sure. Uh, because yeah, so it's kind of, kind of like as well with the, with the single season towards hike number 12, um, it started to become a chore. And I mean, if you think about it, if three or four days a week, you're getting at getting up at the godforsaken hour of 1am, you know, and then going and cranking out a 12 to 16 hour day, like three or four days a week, you know, it's just like the more times you wake up at, at that 1am alarm clock, you're just, the more you get like, yeah, man. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, the earliest I ever, I ever got up during this, like was 1230. I mean, like you just, you're essentially just pulling it all nighter. I was going to say, I don't even think I would have gone to bed if I had to get up that early. <laughs> I didn't. I got 30 minutes of sleep. And in <laughs> that day, actually that same day, the day before it was, um, actually my hike number 16 and 17, I did the entire dicks range. Um, and <laughs> in the then, winter, fucking crazy. Yep, and then I didn't go to the, I didn't go to bed except for a thirty-minute segment where I barely fell asleep. Um, so I didn't go to bed till like eleven thirty or something like that, and then had to be up by twelve thirty, and then crank out Haystack Basin and Saddleback. Um, while filming the whole like damn that. thing too. That's just, that's just so crazy, man. Yeah, but dude, once you're out there, I feel like a million bucks. You know. It's just, it's once you get your foot on the trail, dude, it just, your world changes. Like, I don't feel sleep deprived. I don't, you know, nothing. It just, I'm just ready. That's so, that's so incredible. It really blows my mind, man. I'm going to keep coming back to this, but just like, 
Fucking A. I'm so lazy. I guess when I hike sometimes, like, I really just don't feel like... Like, for instance, I went on a, a trip the other... Like, it was like two weekends ago now. The video's gonna be out. Uh, it should be out by the time this episode is out. But, um... I, like, didn't... It wasn't even a hard hike, but I didn't even take... I, I was so lazy, I didn't take a single photo the entire time. I filmed it all, but I got I got back and I was like, fuck, I don't even have a picture for the thumbnail because I, like, just didn't take a photo because I was just too lazy. So, the fact that you can go rip the entire Dick's Range during the winter, which is a very difficult hike for anybody who's for not For sunrise, nonetheless. For sunrise, get no sleep, and then go do it... Or not the same hike, but, you know, go hike more the next day and film it all, too, in, in, in not just you know quickly yeah. capture but film it well film it properly like that that's crazy man that takes a lot of energy that takes a lot of dedication and i i really respect that genuinely dude thank you yeah i will say back-to-back days in the winter where the hard, I, did, I did three back-to-back days uh and so like i mean where you'd find yourself doing you know 60 to 70 miles a week um in high peaks wilderness for the winter and half of that being in the dark, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, it definitely, definitely gets to you no matter who you are. And for the record, dude, anyone who's listening to you, there's a very, very few amount of those people. I know one <laughs> of them, but to anyone who's doing, uh, the grid 48 or the grid 46, like dude, props to you. Cause that's a whole different, that's a whole different monster. Are you familiar with that just Kyle? Oh, yeah. trust me, I'm familiar, man. Philip Philip Karsha, the guy who set the FKT in the in the whites, has been a, a guest on the show multiple times now. Yeah. So yeah, man, like that's a, that's a, just a different animal. Oh, it is for sure. Um, dude, let's uh, we're getting towards the end here, but I I just want to do like some rapid fire real quick, just about sure. the Adirondacks in general. This stuff's always fun. So, favorite. I know this is hard, but favorite high peak. Go. Um, favorite mountain haystack favorite view basin Ooh. and i can explain why i think haystack um with one of the things that really puts it up there is how unique of a mountain it is um its shape its topography the weather system with the johansson face there the little haystack it's just that whole approach getting to it in itself is beautiful but it also does have a great sunset it also has a great sunrise um and it's just a gorgeous mountain overall um and the reason why i think basin has the best view is because when you're on basin looking to the west um, you see Haystack, Skylight, Marcy, and then Colden, and then the entire McIntyre range. It's like the triple crown, um, just like right there, um, right in front of you. And it has the best sunset I've ever seen in the park. Um, and I just think Basin has the best view. Uh, awesome. Every week. Awesome. I finished on Haystack, and uh, it's definitely pretty dope. Ironically enough, Basin was the second peak I did in the 46, <laughs> so pretty pretty far apart. And it, that was that was a while ago too, but... uh. Both those peaks are pretty sweet. What's your uh, what's your least favorite? Uh, if anyone's <laughs> watching this that knows who I am, they already know my answer. Um, but my least favorite is Blake. Um, I have my reasons. I personally don't actually put Kooks or Kraga even in my like least five favorite. You're the first Believe person I've ever heard actually um, pronounce that mountain name instead of just saying like Cooch or Coochie or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't like saying Cooch because or, or, or Couch <laughs> or, or Coochie or whatever. Like I say Kooksakraga because that's the mountain name and I, I, res- I, I want to respect their name, you know. I won't, I don't really, you know, do I don't that. think and, many people respect that mountain though. That's the funny well, thing. <laughs> well, 
I don't think people give it enough credit because the thing is people hate it because they're like, oh, I got to go down and it shouldn't even be a high peak in the bog. I'm like, guys, that's what gives it his personality. I agree. I Blake, didn't think it was that bad. Blake is just stupid. Like <laughs> I have like, and there's Cliff. Cliff is my second least favorite, but honestly, it hasn't done that much to me. Um, I just think Cliff is probably down there in terms of like worst mountains, but really in all reality, I think Blake is by far the worst. Um, it has nearly the same out and back distance as Cooks but with more elevation descent and incline. Um, and it's still under 4,000 feet and there's still no views. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, Blake gets me, gets me, uh, triggered. Do you prefer <laughs> hiking in the high peaks during the winter or hmm. the summer or just summer season? Summer. I, um, I am a summer hiker. My my power, everything that I, I can do that I'm best at can happen in the summer. Um, that's just my habitat. You know, <laughs> I love the winter. I do. Um, but I wish they weren't as long here um, because, you know, once winter ends, you still got to wait a solid month and a half, two months before the trails are summer, yeah. summer conditioned. Yep. Nice. All right. So this is this last one, this last rapid fire. I asked uh, James Appleton this one as well. Best place to get a burger and or a beer in Lake Placid after a hike? Hmm. Don't say McDonald's because that's what he said. (laughs) uh, Dude, yeah, his story with McDonald's is hysterical. (laughs) So best burger. Okay. Uh, So as much as I am a burger guy, I kind of have to to rep something different. Um, I am actually, uh, and a lot of people who follow me know this. Actually, I think every person who follows me knows this by this time. But I'm a huge Wyatt's fan. Um, burger, a, a burger, huge well, burger, what fan? Wyatt's, Wyatt's, Wyatt's Tex-Mex. Um, they're they're burritos. They're like like on steroid Chipotle burritos. Is it like a local place or is that yeah a cheap- local local okay, okay. a guy named Rory? Um, and it's right there downtown on the main strip. Um, and it's it's always open late, but it, the burritos there. Um, that's just where I go. But in terms of burger, like if you got the budget, I mean, um, pickled pig and smoke signals, I think have the best meat in town. Um, beer, um, see big slide and the pub are owned by the same place. But if I were to get beer, I'd probably rather go to big slide, uh, which they also have a great burger. Um, but I got a rep Wyatt's, uh, cause they were also one of my sponsors for <laughs> the winter 46, but, <laughs> nice. um, but not, not because of that, but I've loved them for years. Um, and they just give you what you pay for, um, and more, um, and they, they make a mean burrito. Good stuff. I'll have to check it out when I, when I get to Lake Placid next, hopefully, hopefully soon when it's, when it's permissible. Um, dude, story time. Did you have a, a chance to think of a story? Um, I do have a couple stories. What, what type of story do you want to hear? Oh, we're getting we're getting options. Okay, give me give me the categories briefly, and then I'll I'll, I'll pick one. Learning experience, um, and maybe hardest, most like hard just like hardest day, most emotional day. The you know the days where you know the biggest learning day. You know things like that. Things that got went wrong. I actually don't really have a went wrong kind of day okay thankfully. that's that's good to hear but yeah i can kind of just did your monitor go I can, down uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know why it's doing that <laughs> um, good, i can i can just lift stop list off all three like super fast um in the journey in my regular my first round of the 46 the biggest thing that i learned was to bring enough water 
Um, there were multiple times where I did not bring enough water um, at all. And so like it was a 90 degree day in Giant and Ooh. I ran out of my two and a half liters of water by the time I summited Giant. And so I out and backed Rocky Peak Ridge without water on a 90 degree day. That's a rough stretch of and trail too. I remember all that the shit. way and all the way back down to the car. So, <laughs> the, yeah, so that was the water. Um, and then the first time I did Blake, I dropped pack. <laughs> I dropped pack, but I didn't have any extra water in my pack. Wait, I might have. I don't remember. But all I know is I had half an algae left. And it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just go out and back Blake real quick. <laughs> and I didn't really realize it was the worst 5.2 miles in the park. Oh, jeez. Um, and ran out of water by the time I got to the summit of Colvin. So I did Blake without water as well. So bringing enough water was my biggest learning experience. Um, there was a time where, okay, these days go two and two. I did the Seward <laughs> Range and the Santanoni Range in a single day. Um, I think it's one of the coolest um, ranges, like the, one of the one of the biggest feats you can do uh, Wait, in a day as a as a day hag. Both of them in the same day. Yeah. Fuck, that's yeah. crazy. Well, it's actually kind of casual to me now when I think about it. Um, I'm not even <laughs> kidding. So yeah, it's, it's 37. <laughs> it's 37 miles. Um, and, but that's not the, the catch. The catch is, you know, there's 12,000 vertical gain. That's some rough um, shit, man. And there's some rough trails on it. You know, getting to the duck hole is not pads, fun. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. But, uh, that day was, um, the longest day I've ever had. And so I was one of the most, exa- I think I was the most exhausted I've ever been on the way down from Santanoni. I actually blacked out on the trail, um, for a split second, kind of like when you're, you, you, you black out when you're driving. Uh, for like a quick second, you're like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, I fell asleep. Like that's, that's what I, as I was walking. Um, cause I was, we started at, we started at five in the morning and ended at one in the morning. Um, that oh, day man. definitely could have been done so much faster now. Like I would, I would crush that time. But, um, the, so that I had the uh, orphan Kuxakraga actually. So I didn't really finish the whole range. Um, but we orphaned it because of the time of the day, the lack of water and the fact that we would have done that mountain for the first time in the dark without water um so we deemed it like you know it was probably just wise that we skip it and so that was very emotional that i had to spend an entire day just going back to get that mountain um and then on the way out was this scared the most scared i've ever been in the woods um on the way out right before hitting the santanoni road or whatever you call the gravel road that you walk up no i was with my friend noah and he and i heard something massive in the woods to our left following us for an entire mile so we would we would run and it would run with us and we couldn't figure out what it was and it wasn't like you know a like a deer like this thing was like like you uh dude it was it was freaky we were running with our knives and we're like dude we just want to get back to the car it was such an awful day but that was dude it was it scared us because we knew when we stopped it stopped you know, and so, I mean, obviously it probably was a deer or a black bear. There's, I, I am not going to lie. I do side with James that there are some weird things out here. Um, <laughs> some unexplained things that we just Spooky. don't understand. I really do, you know, believe that. Um, but I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm a Bigfoot <laughs> guy, you know, I'm not going to be like that. But yeah. So luckily though, my whole entire journey and the way I've been able to learn, I, uh, do not have that many bad experiences up here um, i kind of got past that um very easily fortunately um so yeah cool man well shit dude i think we're gonna kind of wrap it up here thank you so much for coming on thanks for sharing all this stuff and uh, again everybody listening if you haven't checked out jonathan's channel you definitely should like i said at the beginning in my opinion it's one of the most 
underrated uh hiking uh backpacking whatever you want to call it uh niche channels on youtube and i i i really mean that dude um why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff while you're at it for those that that aren't familiar where can they find you on instagram youtube all that stuff sure unfortunately i'm a googleable person that's very scary um <laughs> so if you just type in jonathan zaharik um on instagram or on youtube you can just find it that way um i'm currently working on a new website that will be completely adirondack themed and designed um, so eventually that's going to get up there, but yeah, just Instagram, Jonathan Z photography, YouTube, Jonathan Zaharik. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody listening and yeah, have a good one. Yeah. Thanks Kyle.